This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We expect on today's show to have uh, some old friends return to speak with us. Uh, Will Durst will be doing his weekly commentary for us, and a relatively new environmental correspondent, Jennifer Davidson, will be back to talk about the exhibit on the global warming, which was over at Cal Expo. We talked to uh, meteorologist Alyssa Lynn about that uh, a few weeks back, and uh, Jen will have an update for us, and we'll talk a bit about global warming, etc., we also expect to have a word with someone who's quite familiar to listeners on uh, this radio station, Jeff Kravitz, attorney at law, who for many years was the host of Panic Attack here at KDVS, part of our public affairs lineup. Uh, Jeff is now uh, demonstrating his thespian abilities in, uh, in a play that's currently in Sacramento. We'll talk to him about that uh, in our third segment. Later on in this segment, we hope to uh, play for you a direct report we had from Washington, D.C. Yes, we had a correspondent on the scene at the anti-war rally that went on this last weekend, and I think that you'll find uh, uh, the recording uh, that uh, we, he sent us from that to be compelling listening. All right, let's start the program as we like to do with On This Date in History. And uh, our date in question is September 20th, September 20th. 1519, Portuguese navigator Ferdinand Magellan set sail from Spain with five Spanish ships and 270 men in search of a western sea route to the Spice Islands of Indonesia. Among those 270 sailors was a resident of the Spice Islands named Enrique. When the expedition reached the Spice Islands, which they did after crossing the Pacific, Enrique became the first man to actually travel all the way around the Earth. On September 20th, 1853, American inventor Elisha Otis sells his first elevator. It was called a safety hoist and was the first to employ a device to keep it from falling if the hoisting cable broke. Otis's safety elevators were a big hit. On September 20th, 1863, in the American Civil War, rebel forces win the Battle of Chickamauga Creek in northern Georgia. Although it was one of the bloodiest battles of the entire war, it had little impact on the military situation in the region. And on September 20th, in 1946, the first annual Cannes Film Festival opened on the French Riviera. The festival had intended to make its debut in September of 1939, but the outbreak of World War II forced the cancellation of the inaugural event. Now, the world's first annual international film festival had been held in Venice, Italy, since 1932. By 1938, however, the Venice Film Festival had become a vehicle for fascist and Nazi propaganda, with Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler dictating the choices of films and sharing the prizes among themselves. Outraged, France decided to organize an alternative film festival. And speaking of Cannes, we have to admit that, that we are fans of uh, films that never will be seen at the film festival, unless it's a bad film festival. A couple weeks back, Marilyn Vos Savant uh, was asked what her what uh, an opening line, a good opening line would be uh, when you're at a, an event. And she said the one she liked to use was, have you seen any bad movies lately? 
This sort of thing inspired uh, Harry and Michael Medved to write several books about uh, various golden turkeys, as they came to be known after the first book, The 50 Worst Films of All Time, was a huge critical success. Uh, unfortunately for all of us, uh, Michael Medved decided that uh, right-wing talk radio pays a lot better than uh, left-wing or middle-of-the-road, so that's where he currently earns his living. But uh, I recommend very highly some of these volumes, things like Son of Golden Turkey Awards. Very, very funny writing. In describing the movie Queen of Outer Space, 1958, the Medved brothers describe the crash landing of some astronauts onto the surface of Venus, which has a surprisingly balmy temperature. And oddly enough, no men. They do stumble upon the most brilliant scientist on Venus, who's played by none other than Zsa Gabor. Quote, Her Hungarian accent has survived the journey into outer space remarkably intact though she is obviously ill-suited for life on a planet without even one viable marriage prospect. As Jaja declares to a few of her pals, women cannot be happy without men. This shattering scientific discovery leads her to plot a rebellion to overthrow the evil queen, release the Earthmen, and make the planet safe for truth, justice, and alimony. Our quote of the day comes from the immortal Louis Pasteur, who once said, Let me tell you the secret that has led me to my goal. My strength lies solely in my tenacity. There certainly is something to be said for perseverance. Our quip of the day comes from another immortal, in this case, Robert Benchley, one of the founding members of the celebrated Round Table at the Algonquin Hotel in New York. Evidently, in 1927, six days after Charles Lindbergh's triumphant landing at Le Bourget Field, Benchley sent a cable to a friend in Paris. Any tidings of Lindbergh? Left here a week ago. Am worried. And you know, if you have to explain the joke, you're, you're pretty much, you're screwed. But uh, for those who didn't get it, Lindbergh's landing in Paris was, uh, was celebrated all over the world. It was uh, a media frenzy, the likes of which, uh, in fact, the world has seldom seen. Our joke of the day is as follows. An elderly gentleman had serious hearing problems for many years. He went to the doctor, and the doctor was able to have him fitted for a set of hearing aids. They seemed to work quite well. On his follow-up visit a month later, the doctor checked him and said, Yes, these hearing aids are working very well, and your hearing is almost normal. I imagine your family's quite pleased that you can hear again. The gentleman replied, Oh, I haven't told my family yet. Why is that, said the doctor. Well, I've been sitting around listening to conversations, and you know what? I've changed my will three times. All right, it might be a good time at this point to hear from our old friend Will Durst. Radio Parallax, we would remind you, is the exclusive purveyor of the Sacramento area of the comedy stylings of America's foremost political comic. Well, thanks, Doug. And today I'm here to talk about General David Petraeus's testimony before Congress and his insistence that progress is being made in Iraq, the same way he insisted that progress was being made in Iraq when he testified back in 2004. Might actually have used the same script. Of course, the big difference is back then, Baghdad still had electricity and water in the wheel. The four-star general acknowledged the road ahead is going to be difficult. 
He also allowed that fire engines are often red. And he boasted of raising the number of trained Iraqi security forces by 60%, from five to eight. Not five brigades to eight brigades, five to eight. Typically, the Democrats ran like 12-year-old girls from a big hairy spider, except for MoveOn.org, who ran a full-page ad in the New York Times warning about General Betray Us. Now, how often do you get a rhyme like that? Once in a lifetime shot, they took it. The latest national intelligence estimate says Iraq's government is paralyzed by internal squabbling and petty personal differences. So if you think about it, we have made strides in installing an American-style democracy over there. The general said that security gains since the surge have been uneven, which is traditional Pentagon speak for getting our butts handed to us on a plate. Oh, and remember those benchmarks that were oh so important this spring? Well, <laughs> turns out they weren't really all that important. What is important is other stuff, stuff that looks good right now. There's a timetable for reducing troops in Iraq. It's got something to do with snow and hell. And as for what happened to the whole we'll step down when the Iraqi step up business, well, apparently someone stole the steps. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. thank Will Durst, who also noted uh, in one of his columns that uh, there is a small group in Iraq calling itself Al-Qaeda of Iraq, but uh, it's not the same Al-Qaeda responsible for 9-11. response to the question, does fighting one hurt the other? Durst responded, well, there used to be two teams in the Canadian Football League called the Red Riders, but if you beat one, it didn't mean you got credit for two victories in the standings. We also would like to add that uh, we hope to travel to New York next month and actually take in uh, Durst's solo show, The All-American Sport of Bipartisan Bashing, which is uh, apparently off-Broadway. And we have it on good authority that uh, a couple of former general managers of this station, Teresa Kinney and Stephen Valentino, are there in Manhattan, so we hope to get a first-hand report from them while we're there. Oh, we almost forgot our statistic of the day, which is, according to USA Today... In 1990, the average credit card holder in America had an outstanding balance of $2,960. The average balance in 2006, $9,660. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, evidently it was a good week this week for Court TV when it was announced that O.J. Simpson had again been arrested. And God, I hope we don't have to endure another long O.J. Simpson media extravaganza, but uh, I must say it was nice to see him in handcuffs. Without Robert Kardashian around, they appear to have kept the cuffs on him this time. The truth is, I probably shouldn't have even mentioned this story, except for the fact, the side item that noted that one of the bits of memorabilia they attempted to recover was a picture of the former Buffalo Bills running back with former FBI chief J. Edgar Hoover. We have to admit, we'd like to see that one. Last week evidently was a bad week for partying like it's 1999. 
when Ethiopia, which follows the Coptic calendar, celebrated their millennium. Evidently, their Coptic calendar is seven and a half years out of sync with the rest of the world. The government hoped the event would draw hundreds of thousands of tourists, and it originally tried to book Michael Jackson and Beyonce for a grand New Year's Eve concert. Instead, it could only get the hip-hop group Black Eyed Peas. And evidently, hardly anybody showed. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for alumni relations. After American University's newsletter congratulated graduates and life partners Ross Wheel, 29, and Brent Royce, 28, for getting married in Massachusetts. The two former roommates say they are neither married nor gay and are suing. And in the final item, we're not sure if it's good, bad, or ugly, or all three. According to the BBC News, Walmart is now carrying a full line of faith-based toys. The Tales of Glory line includes a 12-inch Jesus action figure that quotes scriptures. We, uh, we don't go to Walmart, and we frankly hope you don't either, dear listener, but if anyone <laughs> knows whether these are on shelves in Walmart, please send us an email at info at radioparallax.com. And that does it for the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, uh, we always like to report on some listener mail. We did get some mail from Millie, which we thought was probably too good to be true, and it turned out it was. The story was that editorial teams of Webster's Random House and Oxford English Dictionaries had unveiled plans to replace the entry Pyrrhic victory with the more accurate Bush victory. According to what turns out to be a pretty sophisticated hoax, it was noted that, quote, we were attempting to best define this new type of military success the Bushes have created. This is a supposed dictionary editorial staff member. We discussed the Bush's success in kicking Russia out of Afghanistan by arming Osama bin Laden. There is success in helping Iraq Saddam Hussein beat Iran in the Iran-Iraq war. And the grand success of Operation Iraqi Freedom. The word Pyrrhic came up so many times that we all realized something had to be changed. Well, we agree that the logic is sound, but uh, it never happened. Dictionary editors don't sit around and decide what should go in the dictionary. It, it has to out, be out in common usage. But you know what? Think about it. Shouldn't Bush victory be used in place of Pyrrhic victory? Uh, we, we, we say yes. I mean, I think King Pyrrhus uh, did have that, uh, that victory that was not much better than a defeat uh, about a couple millennia ago. Uh, but it was just a one-shot deal. I mean, the Bushes have been at this for a while. And uh, we want to also thank Danny for his uh, email, noting that he likes to listen to the show when he drives home with his daughter. He had an interesting uh, mnemonic device for the color code of resistors. Evidently, he's an electrical engineer. I guess the colors in question were black, brown, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, gray, and white, which were recalled by use of bad boys ravage our young girls, but violet gives willingly. Now, personally, I do not connect uh, wires up to one another, but that may be useful for Mr. McMillan. Do you ever use that one, uh, Mr. McMillan? No. Well, it, it may nevertheless prove useful. I want to thank Danny for that. And uh, no, Mr. McMillan, he did not give a phone number for Violet.
There's uh, some new publications evidently out uh, in, in the area. We picked up one called Midtown, Sacramento and Beyond. And there are no less than three links to this program in this publication. Uh, first of all, on page four, we see Heather Klinger, described as writer. Noted the uh, paper, Heather's been a DJ and volunteer at KDVS since her early high school years, even working on staff for two years. She runs her own record label, Mail Order, and Zine called Out of Order. And uh, perhaps now it can be told on numerous occasions where yours truly was out on vacation and uh, we had pre-recorded programs aired. It was very often Heather that was doing it. So I'm glad we have a connection at this publication and we'll have to give her a call and see if, her ha see if she'll come on. In an article by uh, Justin Allen on page 31 of the magazine, there's a very nice write-up on Michael Leahy from KDVS titled Folk Highway. It's a great write-up. You should check it out. Of course, Michael's been on this program, and we should note, as does the magazine, that Michael Leahy's radio show, Cool as Folk, can be heard every Friday morning from 9.30 a.m. to noon here on KDVS 90.3 FM. And thirdly, a guest we had on the show, Chris Tanous, talked about some of his family experiences in the Middle East. Uh, it's a nice write-up talking about uh, his business, Roxy's Grocery and Deli in Sacramento. So very cool that uh, we're suddenly linked up to a publication. Who knew? Anyway, we need to put in a call to the good people over there at uh, Midtown uh, Monthly and, uh, you know, talk to Heather. We'll, we'll hopefully do that in the, in the near future. And you may have noticed another magazine out there uh, sort of to compete with Sacramento Magazine. It's called Sacktown. Appeared to have some uh, pretty good stuff in it. A very interesting article about Sacramento's International Youth Hostel, which is over at uh, 10th and H. Uh, hostels are great places to meet people traveling from all around the world. Uh, regrettably, we have to report for the uh, Sacramento and Davis audience that uh, they have a rule that no one can stay there who lives within a 30-mile radius. But uh, we, we will certainly try and follow up with a story on what they're up to over there at the hostel. Since we're talking about Sacramento Magazine, I suppose we cannot omit talking about the fact that um, there was quite a lengthy uh, article in the current issue about local radio stars. And no, we're sad to report nobody from KDVS... <laughs> was profiled. I was uh, pleased to see the write-ups on uh, KXJZ and KSAC. I guess it wouldn't hurt to mention at this juncture that, uh, that this correspondent will be sitting in for Mr. Jeffrey Callison over at Insight on KXJZ uh, on Monday at 2 o'clock. And I did get a chance to make an appearance uh, on the Christine Craft Show over at KSAC last month. But what most uh, surprised me about this article was how few of these personalities, uh, you know, I knew from Adam... Then again, if I was offered the choice of listening to Rob, Arnie, and Don in the morning or getting dental work without anesthesia, uh, personally, I would opt for the dentistry. But at any rate, uh, uh, both of these glossy publications, uh, these magazines d dedicated to the Sacramento area, had interviews with filmmaker Ken Burns. And I do certainly want to talk about uh, Ken Burns and, and his appearance in Sacramento last week. I want to thank our, our good friend, uh, Dr. Andy Jones of Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour for uh, getting me into the Ken Burns event last week. But we're going we're gonna to defer talking about that till our second segment. Uh, we're just about out of time here in segment number one, but I do want to go out with a report we got from Washington, D.C. about the peace rally. On, on Saturday, at the time uh, that the Petraeus report was being talked about, a broad spectrum of national groups united to mobilize for a massive anti-war effort. They were, in fact, led by veterans who have returned from 
the Iraqi conflict. This was Nick Gregory's report sent to us from the scene on Saturday. Doug, it's a pleasure to be with you on Radio Parallax. It is a very calm and beautiful day in Washington, D.C. Clear blue skies, slight breeze, 70 degrees, but it's anything but calm on Pennsylvania Avenue, where I am right now caught in a crossfire of words between people on both sides of the Iraq issue. It's the March on Washington, September 15th March, anti-war rally right now. I am in the midst of a group of people on both sides of the issue. Everybody has a very strong opinion about whether troops should come home from Iraq or not. Just in front of me, the Capitol, behind me, the White House, everybody is here making their opinion known. At the end of the day, what will happen? A strong message will be delivered to the White House. Reporting from Washington, D.C., Nick Reginald, Radio Parallax. We're grateful for that report from Nick Gregory and his pictures sent to us will be posted on our website, radioparallax.com. Let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Radio Parallax. 